Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Romance at a Glance, Authors at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget, and with me is my co-host, Shani. Hi, Shani. Hi, Bridget. How you doing, girl? I'm actually very sweaty because it's hot and our air conditioner is not functioning properly. Oh, no. And the warranty is, it's under warranty, thankfully. But the warranty company was like, oh, we're going to try this fix first. Even though the repair people were like, they need a new unit. So it's not working well. I'm being sweaty, but hopefully next week it will be replaced and or fixed better than it was previously fixed. Yeah. Um, so that I can have that sweet, sweet cold air. Because we got solar <laughs> panels. Yeah. yeah we just we just got them and we like started the process like six months ago but they just got installed and uh because we have an electric car we have you know we have a big house we can run the ac you know how my husband feels about ac mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like we got very good solar panels they're like oh you're only gonna save and i was like y'all don't know anything about our energy consumption i was like we are going to teach us fine but yeah so we will be running the ac at a brisk 70 i don't know <laughs> normally i keep our house at like in la at like 76 77 because i was like i don't want to pay for anything but my husband likes it at like 72 so if it's all being paid for by by solar then it can be cold i support this i support this <laughs> uh, Bridget, what are you doing over in los angeles i'm also sweating heavily over here <laughs> uh it is been we've had a hot streak and so, you know, I have this glow. I just have this glow. Also, I have this glow. You do have, you do. Because your skin of, looks popping. Thank you. Thank you. But also, like, we okay. just had a dope ass interview. We did. Like, I love when we I did. leave an interview with just like a smile on my face. Hi. A nice hi. My step. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, today we see? talked to Ashley M. Coleman. This is her debut novel, Good Morning yes. Love. Proud of you. And, Thank you. Wait, you're proud of me? Or no, proud, I'm proud of you? Ashley. <laughs> oh, I thought you said proud of you. And I was like, thanks for saying that so smoothly and not stumbling because I'm also proud of myself. But <laughs> Ashley, we are proud of you too. It was such a good interview. We talked all about her like writing collective that she started and works on. We talked about sort of her like exact journey and how she went from writing and a music executive and writing articles for different publications to writing a novel and then finding an agent and then getting it published. Um, also, she's just really funny and interesting and personable, and it was a great time. Yeah. She hit she hit Shawnee a couple moments uh, yeah, with some of me. her own revelations about her art, and then she got Shawnee because Shawnee was like, "Damn it, damn it!" So I was convicted, I to... man. I was convicted. <laughs> she got you. She got, got me. me a couple times. <laughs> Shawnee and her are gonna get coffee IRL in LA, so that's very exciting. Happy. Yeah, so, and also Shawnee's gonna come visit me at the end of the summer, so I feel like we're just on a up and up right now. We, de- we definitely are. I don't know if Ashley's ready for me, but I'm ready. It's like, she just, she has great energy. Ashley, I ready. Feel, feel like we're gonna be friends, and, and by friends, I mean like friends who are like, never really see each other, but like the one time every four months you like get coffee and then you like catch each other up on everything. So many ideas. Yeah, yeah. and then you go back to your perspective, like, art thing yeah. that you're, you meshed in, you know? And then you yeah. peek back up every couple months. You're like, I hey, love let's that. Go get I coffee. love that That's- for you. I'm fresh. I love that for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys. Well, without further ado, oh, this is the wonderful Ashley and Coleman. Let's get Ooh. this shit popping. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for being here on the show with us. I was super excited when your publisher sent me the book and like the blurb about it, because I feel like like a lot of people, I've always been fascinated by 
like the ins and outs of the music industry. It all seems so like glamorous from the outside and, and like really fun and like, ooh, we're in New York and we're going to cool clubs and we're listening to cool music. And I feel like inherently I'm just like not a cool person. And I saw I saw some pictures on your Instagram and I was like, oh, she's so cool though. And so then I was like, well, obviously we should have this book up. So thanks for coming on um, and indulging us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat about it. Yeah. So obviously you've been like writing for a very long time as a freelance writer, as a journalist, you've written in like some amazing publications. Like, were you always thinking like, oh, maybe one day I'll write a novel or was that sort of just something that came about later after writing for so long? Yeah. So I love that. Like I have the cliche answer because I did um, check out some of the other interviews and they're like, I've been Mm -hmm. writing since forever. And I, you know, I have really that same story of like being young. My mom was an avid reader. So she would take me to the library and I fell in love with books Um, and she would pass things down to me. And I would start like scribbling a little of my own stories in like notebooks because my mom always bought me like stationary journals from such an early age and so yeah I would write these corny little short stories (laughs) a lot of them were like based on love stories and like crushes that I had and all the things so I have the very cliche kind of um, trajectory of most novel writers Um, but I think like I definitely did a lot of other type of writing in the middle of that though right so I literally kind of when you're good at writing like I was always good at writing in school a lot of people encourage you to go into journalism and so I started as a journalism major at Drexel University and I realized that I hated news I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to write the who, what, when, where, and why. Like, that is not my vibe, you know? And so I ended up transferring to Temple University and actually studying music recording and music business. And there I started kind of like playing around with the idea of like, oh, what it would be like to actually write songs in, in certain similarities to, to the character for sure. Um, and then I came out in the blogging era, right? And was like, oh, I'm going to write a blog. This is a better way for me to get my writing out to just different people. And so it was such a roundabout way to find my way back to writing creative stories and creative novels. Um, But it was really like going through blogging and then realizing blogging and freelance writing. I did come back to journalism, but I was able to kind of do more like online writing, writing that could have an opinion, you know, that wasn't Mm -hmm. really just such strict news. Um, And then once I did that for a while, I kind of was reminded of my love for writing. And one of the books that actually did that for me was The Hate You Give, which was a YA novel. But I felt like it was just such a relatable story. It was timely. um, And it was written in a way where I was like, I could do this. Like, you know what I mean? And that really kind of just reignited a bit of my love for like creative writing and made me kind of embark on this crazy journey of trying to get a book published, um, which I still can't believe is happening. (laughs) That's fantastic. Like, I, I love that you said, like, it comes round, like comes round again, because I was telling somebody recently that like, I knew what I wanted to do at seven. And I feel like <laughs> life, I feel like like life derailed that. Like, you know, people, you can't do that. You don't know that. And then I ended, I'm at like ended up doing exactly what I knew that I wanted to do at seven. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Right. Life is like that. It is. And and my my little cousin and my little I mean she's like 23. <laughs> she's here visiting me. And I'm trying to like pack all this advice in <laughs> in this one week that she's here. And she she has an amazing singing voice, right? And I was like, okay, do you write songs? And she was like, no, I can't write songs. And I was like, like you journal every single day. So I know that you have the capability of writing. And, and so I was like, okay, well, I'll work on something with you. And then where we, she wants to go to Malibu because we're in LA and she wants to drive the, the PCH. So I take her to do that. And she's like, oh yeah, can we put on Miley Cyrus Malibu song? Which I had never heard of in my life. I don't know if you have, right? I haven't. Okay. But the song is like this, like I'm, I'm with you next to you. In Malibu. I looked at her. I said, you can't write this song. (laughs) This is your favorite song. You can't write this song. (laughs) Right. Like you could do it. (laughs) And I I think it's interesting kind of like, you know, how like in life, that trajectory, how it changes or what we think we're capable of or how we have to like build confidence in other areas just to come around and have the confidence in the area that we want to live in. Um, And so I, I just, I love that that answer. I find that fascinating because it's true. And sometimes it's a journey like of, you know, <laughs> it really is. And sometimes you have to like get your feet wet and things that you don't want to do to kind of almost mm-hmm. be reminded of what you do want to do, you know, and you Absolutely. take a lot of detours, you pick up a lot of skills, you learn a lot of things, but I try to like count it all like experience and like count it all worthwhile. I think that has really served me well when I've lamented over like, have I wasted time? <laughs> I'm like, no, you haven't. You needed to experience that. And as writers, it gives us amazing things to put in our stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. Plus, you, you always meet that, like, one person, you know what I mean? Like, that or that thing that, like, sparks that next idea or that next zone. Because me and Shawnee both, like, obviously we podcast, but we work in creative fields, and it's the same. Like, you do this job for, like, a year, and you're like, ooh, this part fit this part didn't fit and like but this person fit and like I met Shawnee randomly at YouTube one day because someone's like hey we're writing this thing do you want to come and I was like yeah that sounds like a great day and so I went the project didn't go anywhere but I met Shawnee so it it was like we're writing like a a pitch for something right so like submit and it was uh, Bridget walked in I always remember because she was very pregnant at the time and just big belly and there was a Chick-fil-A meal you know like the energy you know you almost saw you meet somebody and you just feel the energy and you're just like you know and there was a point in time where where I think we were talking about it and the pitch like there was like this grand idea that like in production like I just knew we couldn't like wasn't going to work out right and so Bridget also works in production so there was this moment where we both looked at each other like and we just knew like It's like when someone says, we'll fix it in post. And you're like, you, you. <laughs> like, absolutely <laughs> not. And I was like, did we just become best friends with a look? <laughs> I love that. Yes, we did. Yes, we did, Shani. <laughs> when you're working in music and in such like a, I don't want to say volatile because that sounds like a bad word, but like you have all these people whose personalities are so creative that they're they're really like up and down in terms of maybe like their ability to show up on time or their ability to deliver what they promised, or perhaps they were super passionate about it for one second. And now that like the project is being completed six months later, they're like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. How have you found like navigating that and balancing that sort of thing? 
You know, it is not easy, (laughs) Um, you know, because often it's like, you know, we're doing programs or events or looking for different initiatives and things like that to really have creative folks be a part of. And it is just not easy to always wrangle creative folks. Um, But one thing that I feel like is helpful is that I'm married to a music producer. And so I feel like it almost gives me this insight you know, into exactly what they need to kind of show up in the way that you need them to. So this is going to sound really bad, but it really comes down to like, you got to learn your tricks. You know what I mean? Like you have to learn how to tell people it starts an hour before it actually does. And like, thank you. (laughs) Thank Um, you. Yeah. If you you love a creator, you lie to them. Absolutely. You learn how to lie and you learn how to get them to think that it's their idea and not yours. And that really takes you very far when it comes to creatives and being able to kind of just make them show up. And they're great people to be around, you know, clearly because, you know, they kind of just live on another planet. (laughs) And so it helps you um, kind of just be more thoughtful and thinking outside of like your own boxes. Um, So I love working with creative people, with artists, with songwriters, um, producers and stuff like that is literally the best part of the job is getting to just like chat and be around such like creative people. For sure. I liked the, um, because I feel like all of us on this call probably have done this, but I liked that Carly's was able to keep her sort of creative fire alive Mm-hmm. for strong writing and like taking those moments like early in the book you described like oh she had 10 extra minutes so she was like writing in her journal a couple of things that she was thinking of that like popped into her mind or after work she's going to the studio to meet up with her like creative partners and stuff and and I thought that was nice because I feel like a lot of people think like to write a book I have to do it full time like there's no way that I I love like encouraging people or seeing art that encourages people like you could just chip chip away at it and just chip 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 and one day you'll have a product oh yes absolutely and I it's like that's the grind right because we all have to like eat we have to be able to feed ourselves you know and so I think that a lot of times it's almost like scoffed at to like have a full-time job and also be a creative but it's like if you start to look at your job as more like an investment into your art then I think it kind of helps you settle that mindset a little bit to just say like yeah now that I have this job I can pay for canvases or I can afford paint right like or whatever the case may be like whatever your creative discipline is Um, And so, yeah, that is an important part to me because I I guess like even for myself, it's like I work a full time job, you know, I do a ton of writing, I run a community and it's almost like it's not I almost get offended when someone says like, you know, your side thing, because it is like, no, I literally do two things that I take just as seriously um, as my nine to five. And so, yes, it's a little crazy because you're like you're working nonstop. pretty much you know you're working after work you're working before work and then during work you're taking a lunch break and and trying to do certain things um and so it's a wild ride but honestly I think it like feeds you and it just almost sometimes makes the nine to five stuff a little easier because you know that like you're still invested in your craft and in your art because most of us are creative whether we like want to pursue it full-time or whether it is just a hobby like need those outlets I just think personally. Oh yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was at Michael's today buying um, some stamp pads for my kids <laughs> and some paint. And I literally almost missed picking them up from preschool because I was like, oh, what about this? Oh, what about this? Ooh. And I was like, Bridget, you cannot spend $500 in this craft store. You have to leave. And I like kept being like, you got to stay focused. You got to stay focused. You have to buy the stamp pads. That's what you're here for. And then I kept being like, but what about these flowers I could put in this thing? Or what about, oh, look at these wooden signs. We can paint wooden signs for the guard. I mean, like. Michael's is dangerous. I was out of control <laughs> in that store. Yeah. Everything was 50% off. And I was like. I just, I dropped $300. I haven't walked into a Michael's in like years. Cause it's just overpriced. Everything is like overpriced at Michael's, but I needed like some art stuff really quickly. So I walked in, I dropped $350 and they had so quick. This, so quick. They had this sale where you bought a pack of canvases. So it was like a three pack. And for yeah. every one, you got two free. And I was like, yeah. oh, oh, this is a deal I can't pass yeah. up. Like, what? So what I need is 50. What I'm hearing is I was a mark. I was a mark. They saw me coming. <laughs> yes, I 100%, 100% agree with you. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about your permission to write community. Can you yeah. kind of like tell people what it's about? Because when I was reading about it, I thought it was just like the coolest thing. Um, yeah. So for permission to write is literally just uh, online. And I'm sorry, it's loud for a second. Oh, I hope they can hear oh, that. Yeah. Uh, we literally live in a flight path. So there's always a okay. plane. Are you I in think- LA too? Did I read that? Are you in LA? I am. I am based in what? LA. Nice. What's that? Do you live on the south side near the airport? Yeah. So we live near Burbank Airport. Well, not on the south side. We live near Burbank Airport. Oh, so Burbank Airport. Okay. Valley. Oh, you're so you're close to me. Oh, yes. Listen, I feel like there's a coffee in our future. Yes, <laughs> you, you got to tell me yes. twice. You got to- <laughs> yes. yes, but um, yes. Yeah, so sorry about that. The small noise. But um, yes, Permission to Write is an online and it was an in-person community kind of prior to COVID. <laughs> I think everybody has had to navigate that, um, but mostly online. And our work is really dedicated towards amplifying and cultivating the voices of Black writers and writers of color. And we do that a couple of ways. We have a mentorship program. We have like a paid membership community um, and we do master classes and office hours, just trying to not only like educate writers. So everybody's in different paths of their careers. We have great folks that are a part of the community that have book deals that are doing great freelance and great publications. And then we have an amazing group of folks who are like trying to start, you know, and I like the idea of really just being able to bring people together from these different paths and putting them together because then it kind of helps you figure out like how far you are, how far you might need to go. Um, everybody's kind of learning from each other. So it's been like a passion project of mine since 2017. Um, and it is really starting to become just everything that I want it to be, which is really just us encouraging each other. I feel like writing and publishing is often shrouded in mystery, which we hear a lot, you know? And I'm all about peeling back the curtain and being like, okay, this is what I'm learning and sharing resources um, and just kind of being being able to really hold the door open um, as we walk through them so that other people can too. And that's a lot of what we do at Permission to Write. Yeah, I think it's awesome too that you do, because I I mean, there's a lot of writing communities where it's just advice or -hmm. it's just like, hey, here's like, whatever, a, a four part course, you watch it and then goodbye, do your own thing. And I think like having mentorship so important. Like I've had many mentors throughout my career that 
they're so important to call up and be like, Hey, someone just pitched me this price. Like, is that an okay? Like, should I accept that? Or what do I say? How do I craft this email back to push? Like, what, what do I do? How do I, you know, who do you know? Who's in the, you know, I think that's so cool because that, you know, that in-person, not necessarily in-person, like literally face-to-face, but like that ability to reach out to someone who's been there and, and ask a real question and get a real response, I think is so valuable. Uh, It's so key. And I had a lot of mentors in music, but I realized that like, as I was further pursuing writing, like I, they were harder to come by like for me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a lot of great peers that I had come up in the blogging world with. And so I was really just like, okay, like I'm not this guru that knows everything, but we can kind of peer mentor each other. um, And we really do that. Our Slack is popping, (laughs) you know, like, share opportunities and talk to each other throughout the day. And, you know, just like um, that same thing you talked about, Bridget, like how much should I be asking for this? Or, you know, is this Mm -hmm. advanced crazy or uh, (laughs) is it a good one? Um, So, yeah, I think that's like such a major key um, in just being able to be successful in your career. Yeah. I I make sense though, because writing, you're like alone, like writers, like we're at our house by ourselves. So, (laughs) Like, I like the idea that there's somewhere to go where the other writers are. Because it's not like at music where you meet everyone at events or you go to an office. It's like writing, you're just like, I'm in my pajamas again today. <laughs> my type well, yeah, Honestly, though, like, I find that music is very similar to writing in the fact that you do, depending on how, like, you're set up, you do spend a lot of time writing alone. Like, even your, even music, right? You still, like, I spend a great amount of time looping songs alone in my office, like writing lyrics and doing that sort of stuff. So I do miss the camaraderie like because mostly the days that we spend together, like because I produce with other people, like you might spend one day in the studio creating a track, but then I might spend a whole lot of time alone writing the parts to that track. So like every time I do get a moment in the studio with other people, it's, it almost feels like a, like a mom who's stuck at home with her kids. And then she gets to see adults, you know, where you're just like, oh, let's talk. We did that. I love <laughs> you know, like, it. So I do see like a, an overlapping like element um, in that. And then also like, I think similarly doing this podcast, we get to talk to other romance authors, right? And realizing that we're all alone in our romance, our love for romance. They're all home alone. We're reading alone. We're all, uh, you know, some of us are, are, are introverted or, or not, you know, and so we don't actually get to interact with other people who are writing and reading their work and stuff like that. So a lot of times I feel like this podcast is just like a giggle fest of people, like <laughs> people who love the same things. It's like, you like, do you like romance too? And oh, and what did they do in the book? And this happened and you get to geek out. In I feel like the most judgment-free zone. You're like, how smutty is your book? What's in it? Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I love that because it's like for me also it's a very common ground. And you know this anxiety and stress I think that's have you know has happened in the last few years. There's a lot more years, but especially the last few years. I'm generally just looking for some common ground when I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> I'm just like, what do we have in common? Where are we? And so I get to start with something I love. You love this thing that I love. And I know by just you being here that we already love a thing. <laughs> no, it makes it so much easier. I think we're all looking for that connection, right? Like when you're networking, when you're meeting people, you're always looking for the common ground. So I think that's such a good point. I'm, I'm curious when you're writing your books, 
So, okay. <laughs> my, I think the one thing that stops me from writing a romance is the fact that I feel like my mom's going to read it. <laughs> like she's going to read my slutty book. <laughs> I'm curious as to when you're writing your books, when you're, when you're writing the intimacy and you're writing the romance or the sex, how far is too far? Where, where are you willing to go? Where, are you, where do you need to stop? What's that journey look like? <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, which is like so important. I feel like, and it ranges in romance. And, you know, sometimes I read romance and it's a little too far for me. I'm feeling a little voyeur, voyeuristic, you know what I mean? Like in certain romance that I read. And then some is like just enough. And you're like, whoa, that was hot, you know? <laughs> but for me, one, I think it's super funny thinking about what your mom is going to read because I, so YA has come a long way because when I was young, it was all like babysitters club and, and you know, Sweet Valley High. Yep. And I, I'm so jealous of the teens now because they have such a wide range of selection of stories that they can read. And so for better or for worse, my mom actually gave me very adult books early. <laughs> so it's like, I was reading Terry McMillan and, you know, um, Eric Jerome Dickey and like all these different authors, like very early. And so with me and my mom, my mom was an early reader uh, yes. <laughs> of the book, um, you know, just giving me her feedback and her opinion. And so for me, I feel like we kind of just already have that understanding of like, look, you were giving me books when I was young that probably were inappropriate. <laughs> and I'm going to write some inappropriate things in this book um, uh, and you'll be fine. But for me, and you'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. When it comes specifically to intimacy, um, I absolutely adore Gina Prince by the Wood, who is a director she and writer. She's done Love and Basketball, and she did Touch, Beyond the Lights. Yeah, yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah. It's my top, top five romantic movies of all time. It's one I used to watch. Uh, it. I used to watch it like every other day for like three years. I loved it. I like was not a bad. I was a soccer player, but I I strongly thought about joining the basketball team just because of that movie. And I was like, but it was like conflicted with my soccer season. So I didn't, but I strongly thought about it. I was like, <laughs> because I need this to be my future. Yes. I didn't have a neighbor who played basketball who fell in love with me as a child either. But you know what? I was convinced that it could be, it could be me. <laughs> Such a good movie. Keep going. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. So good. No, you're fine. You wanted to play someone for their heart. I get it. Like, yes, I did. I absolutely <laughs> did. I wanted someone to say double or nothing. So like, like, totally. <laughs> Yes, you got me. That's Which it. I love, but there was some interview that I watched um, with her or either I read where she just talked about how she approaches intimacy. And she was like, you know, so often so many directors or writers, they really like just go for blood. And, you know, is it's kind of like very vulgar when it comes to like love scenes. And like, and so she talked about how in her movies, she was like, I feel like so much intimacy happens within the eyes and within like the physical touch. So if you notice like certain things, like even in Beyond the Lights, um, they, there's a sex scene on on a plane 
Um, and mm-hmm. so many of the shots are really like their hands gri- gripping on, you know, the fabric yep. um, is in their eyes of how they look at each other and not so much kind of focus on the body parts. And mm-hmm. for me, that has been like a, a really kind of foundational principle for me of how I approach right and love scenes. So I'm like, yes, let's get in there. Um, but I don't find myself necessarily wanting to like write specifically about the hardness in his pants. And I, I think that's great, you know, for, for other writers. And we all bring our own voice kind of to um, intimacy and sex. And so for me, when it came to like, I tried to kind of like ask myself, what does that look like? Not in a directorial where you have a visual, but what does that look like through words? And so that was a bit of my approach. And I, I was a, a little scared about that too, because I was like, oh man, are the romance lovers going to be like, this was not enough. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I wasn't sure how that would go over, but hopefully, you know, they, they get where I, I was trying to go. <laughs> you know what? You just quantified something for me that I couldn't put my finger on till recently. So, so I'm a big Bridgerton fan, right? And so obviously when it became a series, like I read them when I was like 15, right? When I saw the series, there was this last season was a disconnect for me. I was like, where is the intimacy? <laughs> and I realized it, as you were talking, I realized two things because when you first started talking, I was thinking about Bollywood, right? So I grew up from a very, very young age watching three hour long Bollywood romances. They're all romances. If there's not a romance in it, it's, it's not Bollywood, right? <laughs> so even if it's an action adventure, there is a romance dance number midway oh, through, no, like, no, you know, And the thing is, is that they were not allowed to kiss, right? You couldn't have a kiss on screen. So Bollywood nailed the tension. I mean, faces next to faces, you know, everything, little hand touches, everything was these little moments that just drove you in like insanely crazy. You just wanted them together so badly, you know? Um, And I think there's so much value in that tension, you know? And like, and Bridget and I did a watch, like we did a watch along with our patrons for Bridgerton. And so, and then we did a, a podcast episode. And I remember thinking like, there are so many wide shots, like when I was watching it, where the tent, they were going in for the tension and then they pulled the shot back out and they left, they just dropped all that beautiful tension all the time. And we were like, no, in there, hand on the neck, push it on the wall. Cause you know, we're like, you know, little micro things you know and yeah. that's kind of what I mean there's a reason why in the Pride and Prejudice Keira Knightley version everyone's as obsessed when his hand he helps her out of the carriage and then he's like like that's the moment where you're like he's in love with her <laughs> he touched her hand it's or like in, even in Bridgerton season one the backs of their hands brush while they look at that painting and you're like it's hot hot it's hot in here it's hot in here today guys I think it's super like underestimated. I, I I remember watching that. And I said to Bridget, I was like, I think a man, a man did this. Like I was like, a man did this. <laughs> but I think there's so much value in though that it those little intimate moments and people letting letting the characters sit in those small, like just tense and like le- like make it a little uncomfortable. You know, like it's just <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And like, here's the thing there's space for everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who didn't check out a Zane book or two? Or, or, you know, when you were young or like, you know, 
Fifty Shades of Grey was one of the biggest, you know, most successful novels out there, you know? So I feel like there's space for everything um, in how you want to approach it. But definitely for me, like you said, the tension, the small touch, I think hands rub somewhere in Good Morning Love, too, you know, like just that little faint, like hand touch and you're like, woo! <laughs> Um, so yeah I I love that definitely a focus on the tension and then dropping kind of the tension and like some of the awkward moments that I feel like you know are sometimes a part of intimacy because look we all are not always looking just our top tier best (laughs) in those moments right and so I even wanted to kind of touch upon it and and bring some some lightness um to some of the intimacy as well that's awesome yeah did you ever live in New York? I don't know what. So I I didn't live in New York, but I am from Philadelphia, which is a two-hour uh-huh. train ride and an hour and uh-huh. a half drive um, up to New Got York. It. So I've spent a lot of time in New York. I have friends in New York. Um, so shout out to Amanda, who introduced me to Crown Heights. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely have spent a lot of time up there just by nature of being in music. Um, my husband was on a TV show on Fuse for a minute. So I got back and forth up to New York during that time as well. So I've spent a lot of cool. time there. <laughs> fun fun fact that our uh, two sweet interns who now still work for us um, came from Drexel University. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes, little Drexel Dragons. <laughs> yes. And we love them so much. I have this feeling. I, I just have this feeling, right? We're going to meet for coffee and we're going to chat and we're going to realize that we have like half of the same friends. Like <laughs> I, I know that this happens to me all the time though. Like, because they, you know, you pick your friends based on energy. At least I do. Right. You got to have, I just feel like you got to have a certain kind of energy for me to be, want you in my space, you know, sphere. Sure, right. So it turns, it always turns out that if there's someone I vibe with, we always have like a 50% overlap. <laughs> overlap. Oh, you know, so also, oh, you know, oh, yeah, but I went to, so I have a feeling that's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say in entertainment in general, like so from music to TV to, you know, um, music, TV, film, all that so, stuff. Yeah, it tends to be like such a small so world. Small. So there's always like that kind of, what is it? How many degrees of separation? I forget. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I like bacon. Seven degrees of separation. It's like one. There's usually like one or two degrees. That's it. In LA, it's so yeah. small. People think that like, oh, this is whole industry. It's so yeah. big. It's not. And also, so many people are related. Like, you'll meet someone's cousin. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, so so. That's my cousin. You know, like. <laughs> no, absolutely. absolutely. People come here, and I go, don't be a dick to anyone because you have yeah. no idea. That's <laughs> true. No, God bless That's my true. husband who always says that. And I'm always like wanting him to go off on people. <laughs> and he's just like, I don't burn bridges. I don't bring any negative energy. But I'm like, but they did something to you, you know? But he he's really good with that. Sometimes the, the Philadelphian in me comes out um, and I have to <laughs> manage that a bit, you know? Um, but I definitely... My initial thing is like, let's just, it's either two things. It's like, let's never talk to them ever again and just never recommend them for anything ever again. Or it's like, let's blacklist them to everyone we know who hires people and just be like, yo, this person, they're not going to do a good job on your project. So never hire them. It's like, this is the two extremes. It's either like, I will forget about it, not forgive necessarily, but just forget about it. Or 
I want to just rain <laughs> hellfire on your whole life. I usually don't do that though, because it seems like a lot of effort to go through. And it really I, is. You just want to bring good vibes. Yeah, it's yeah. mostly the silent, like the 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 ghost. For me, I'm just like I I call it like and scene. It's like something happens and I go and scene, <laughs> and that's <laughs> it. I just I won't reach out. It won't cut because it's like. Also, I feel like generally the older you get, you're like not willing to spend as much energy. Like for me, at least I'm tired. I'm not willing to just spend the energy. I remember like, you know, trying to make a friendship because it was, I, I knew I shouldn't have done this, but somebody was like, Sean, you got to make friends. You got it. And I was like, fine. I tried to make friends and I was like, I don't think this is going to be a good outcome. Like I, I just feel it in my bones. And then the thing that I felt was going to happen, happened. And then I was like, and scene and i just ghosted away like a mary poppins with an umbrella (laughs) 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 okay well let's peel back the curtain a little bit for for our dear listeners who are thinking about writing a novel maybe they already wrote a novel maybe they're like maybe i could write a novel like what was your did you already have an agent because you were already yeah like freelance writing did you already know some agents like how did your your sort of from writing to agents to getting you know selling your book so I did not. This is a rags to riches. Um, no, I'm kidding. Hey, <laughs> geek no, to baby. <laughs> yes, get it. Um, but definitely a, a started from the bottom. Now we're here type moment. Um, so yeah, I had done freelancing and things like that. Um, so I, so I didn't necessarily have connections to agents. Um, but really, the novel writing journal journey started for me when I was applying to a writing fellowship. Um, so I had kind of you know, said, hey, I really want to jump back into creative writing versus more so of the freelance and and blogging type stuff. And there was a 20 page sample due for this fellowship um, that I was trying to apply to be a part of. Um, I didn't get into the fellowship, but I felt like "Hmm, I really like this 20 pages. I should see where it goes. And that was literally (laughs) like the start of the journey for me. Um, And I would, I always talk about the fact I kind of like wrote my first draft in like 30 minute increments. So I would literally set a timer for 30 minutes before work. um, And I would turn off Twitter, turn off the social media, no distractions, because you'll be surprised how much you can get done in 30 minutes. I think sometimes as writers, we think we need a thousand hours and the remote location on the lake and those things are great but you can really kind of incorporate your writing practice and process into your everyday and so I was really methodical about it in that way and pretty disciplined with kind of getting that first draft done Um, I did have a writing group in Philadelphia that was through permission to write because I you know we were making writing groups in different cities um, just kind of trying to create that community so I had early readers through that um, community that we created there And then I just, I literally started building my list of possible agents through reading book acknowledgements um, from books that I felt like were somewhere in the stratosphere of my book. Um, In some ways I shot (laughs) in places that I probably shouldn't have because I was just trying to like get a grasp of where I should have been trying to pitch to. Um, I participated in one of the um, Twitter pitch competitions. Um, I think it was like a pit mad Um, And so I kind of, it's where you kind of give a synopsis of your book, like within a tweet. And then if an agent likes it, you know, you send them a full query. And that was kind of how I like got my feet wet. And I got some like initial feedback and did some more revision. 
in and kind of like went back to the drawing board. And then I just like queried cold. You know, I, I had met a couple agents at um, Well-Read Black Girls Festival that they do they do in Brooklyn. Um, so I met a couple agents there, was, you know, was able to kind of query them. None of that worked out. <laughs> um, there was an agent named um, Eric Smith, who's also an author who was doing in-person publishing meetups in Philly. So I went there just trying to learn as much as I could. So it was just really from the ground up, like from the muscle. And it was an exhausting thing because you hear no a million times <laughs> before you get a yes. Um, and then, yeah. And then I got hooked up with my agent just through that way. Like after so many no's, I, you know, randomly got this email from my agent that was like, I love your book. And it was so confusing because so many people tell, you no know, that you're like, oh, this must be trash. So let me kind of move yeah. on to the next thing. And then you get this person. It's almost like confusing because they're like, yes, I loved it. And you're like, huh? <laughs> find the right person you know no. it's not about it's not always about your ability like yeah sometimes you might need work I think we have to be honest about that like everybody mm -hmm. is not as polished as they should be you, you might have to go back to the drawing board sometimes but sometimes it's really just about finding the right fit and so I finally mm -hmm. did and it was crazy I signed with my agent in like January 2020 and then we sold the book that summer. And I was like, huh? Like, I just didn't anticipate that really happening that quickly, um, if at all. So it, it was kind of shocking. I love this. I love this because I need, I needed to hear that today. Like, I, I just I actively, it's like, I know that, but you know, sometimes you need to hear it, you know? And like, one of the big things that like in music, people are like, you gotta get on playlists. You gotta get, you know? And so I've been submitting my music to playlists and all these playlists are like, we don't want the same old, same old. We want something different. Well, the only thing I can agree, anybody can agree on is that my music is definitely different. <laughs> okay. And so every time I get these answers back, this is too different. <laughs> this is the, the consent. This, this doesn't fit into my, into the playlist. And I'm like, did you want different or do you want the same? Because you know what I mean? Like, um, same, 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 but different. Same, same, but different, you know? <laughs> exactly. And, and it's funny to me because I, that's what I tell myself. I'm like, you know what? These just aren't good fits. One day there will be a good fit, you know? But some days just are hard, like harder than others. You're just chugging away and you feel like you're chugging into the ether, you know? Yeah. And you're like, what, what will even be my legacy when I leave? Where, like, what will, you know? And so I think sometimes hearing that, and I think that's why groups like what you've created are good because- there's people in there who tell you like, just hold on one more day. Just, just keep just, going. Just keep going. Yeah. Just keep submitting. And it kind of goes back to the the original, like looping back to the beginning, like I like to do. It goes back to like you talking about how you went through like a bunch of different careers and uh, finding things you didn't like. And it's almost the same thing. It's like you have to keep querying these people who aren't the right, the right fit. Maybe their agent that's too big or too small or not quite the right genre or or they're just, you know, they're full. Like maybe they liked your book, but they're like, yo, I'm topped out. I have too many people. Like, you don't know why they're saying no. Um, but you have to kind of just like, oh, okay, well, I went to this festival. I tried this pitch wars. I tried this thing, like figure out how to find your way in. Cause there is, you know, from all these authors that we've talked to, I think we're at, I don't know, 50 plus author interviews now. And from all these authors we've talked to, like, there is no one singular way that an author got their book published, whether that's indie or traditional publishing. Every single author has had a different journey, found their agent a different way, 
decided to publish on Amazon a different way. Like it's, it's completely different. So I think that's, I think your perseverance is, is awesome. I think it's Ta-Nehisi Coates who really talks about that element of the writing process. It's like you literally just have to keep going because you're going to learn things along the way and a lot of other people are going to quit. So it's just kind of like a matter of time if you stick with it, that you're going to have all this knowledge, you're going to have gotten better and the competition is going to have fallen away. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I, yeah. I always said, so my... I lived in LA. I just moved back to the Midwest last year. So I lived there for like 10 years. And one of my cousins is an actor. Another one's like, and a lot of people obviously you meet and become friends with are actors in some way, shape or form. And I was always like, they're like, Oh, Bridget, like you could, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait it out. And then when all of you guys quit, I'm going to come back when I'm like 50. And there's really not that many people <laughs> auditioning anymore. And then it'll be easier because instead of competing against like the hottest 20 year olds in the planet who all came to LA and I am not that I can compete against, you know, like this pie will have gotten so much, so much more. Oh, so I like it's, that. It's a war of attrition. That's what I always say. <laughs> LA is, is not for the faint of heart. Like this, this, no. my sister moved. No. She lasted about six months because you have to be willing to rough it. Like <laughs> you have to have that, that bone in your body. And, you know, when you, if you come to LA when you're older, a little bit more established, it's, you know, whatever. But a lot of people are like, you know, 18, 20, right out of school or whatever. And they're like, I'm just going to make the leap, spend all my money, go to LA. <laughs> and then you're in a house with seven people, exactly. you know, all splitting yeah. rooms and, you know, okay. um, that sort of thing. If, they, if you can't do that, yeah. <laughs> then you got to answer your point about the full-time jobs. So many th- people, think like I should be living on ramen on my friend's friend's couch to make it instead of realizing like no you can have a job and still audition or you can have a job and still write you can and then you can when if you get cast in something big you can take a leave of absence or quit or whatever if that's your dream but um I think people get sold on Johnny that like oh I'm gonna spend I'm gonna just do it and, and then they end up like having to get us like a quote unquote survival job. And it's like, yeah, but you could get like a job where you're just thriving, but also auditioning. Honestly, but I think people don't really tell people that, that that's an option. It's an option to yeah. make money and also spend time being creative and pursuing your dreams. I, most people that I have encountered that I like, I meet at events, whatever are gone within a year of moving to LA. It, it is like a timer. It's like a timer that at the year mark, they're gone. If you can make it past the first year, it's like for the kind of percentages probably go way up. If you can just make it past that first year, you know, like, like podcasting, if you make it past the yeah. first year of podcasting, it's a great chance your podcast can keep going, you know, yeah. Yeah, but like, what I, know. Things- I was shocked. Wait, okay. Let's talk about your podcast really quick. Tell us about your podcast and like what you guys, is it, is it part of the, the writing or the writing group or is it like a separate so it it's separate and it, it's so funny because we, you know, to that point, we actually just recorded our last episode. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the podcast um, is 8296 um, that I was doing alongside my good friend and writing counterpart, Gabrielle Hickman. And so we kind of, you know, had this idea of 
what it looked like because the like being a millennial is such a wide uh, span. And so I'm like the old millennial. She was the younger millennial. And we were like, yeah, let's just have a podcast talking about life, love and creativity and how different that looks like through the lens of a 20 something versus the lens of a 30 something. So, yeah, that was kind of our thought process around it. But so much really shifted, um, you know, specifically um, in regard to like where she want, like what space she wanted her creativity to land in. Um, And for me, I just got like, I I moved to LA. Um, Things got like super busy, um, all the goings on. And so, yeah, we are like shuffling our podcast currently and I've picked back up talking more specifically about writing um through Twitter spaces um through a series called Words with Wine with another writer uh a wine connoisseur friend that I have um, named Chastity Cooper so trying to keep the audio experience of what I do alive (laughs) um, and running um which I know listen you said over 50 author interviews like just the fact that you all are keeping this going and keeping the train moving and chatting with people about yeah, I think their we've books. done you. <laughs> 175 episodes or something like that now which is great it's crazy to think of I think it's hard, you said something earlier that like you looked back and realized like all of those experiences were worthwhile and, and like how much you had accomplished at all of these different things and I tell Johnny this all the time like I'll forget all the time in my creative life the things that I've done and then she'll be like, no, Bridget, you need to remember that you had a baby this year and we did that and we did that. And you know, she'll like make me list it all out. And I'm like, okay, fine then. Okay, fine. You win this argument. <laughs> but like, we forget because it all like, like you said, like life is there. Like I moved this year too. It's so overwhelming moving across the country. There's so much to do and think about. And like, you have to find a new doctor. You have to find a new like person to like clean your house cut your grass like a new favorite restaurant whatever you you have to find furniture there's so much to do (laughs) i had a listen i was i had an appointment she's in la you maybe don't have grass maybe you have maybe you have (laughs) i I I had an appointment with my therapist before before this interview and Uh she was asking me like the the assessment like are you sleeping well whatever i was like no i'm not sleeping well right whatever and she's like why and i'm here trying to rack my brain i'm like what it why do i have anxiety whatever and then i look at her this is how like like sometimes like oblivious i get i go oh no i've had a raging toothache for weeks now i can't sleep past like four hours you know and so but uh, i'm thinking i'm blaming like everything else like i'm doing doing too much i must be whatever like you know (laughs) where i stop and i go no no there's there's actually a reason for this and I feel like that's like the ADD of my brain. Like it just, it just ignores things sometimes. And my, my brother d- did that to me. And that's why I did it to you. Cause um, one day I was just like, I'm not doing enough. And my brother was like, Shawnee, uh, first of all, I'm going to need you to stop. And I'm going to need mm-hmm. you to run through the list of just what you've got accomplished in this last month. And that was the first time I'd ever done that. So every time I feel like I'm not doing enough, I, I will make like a running tally of like, just what what did I do? You know? Mm-hmm. And then afterwards I always, I'm always like, Oh girl, sit down. <laughs> but that's the pressure we're all under. Right. And that's really what I wanted to kind of try to capture with Carly's character too. 
um, was just all this pressure, you know, to have it right, to be getting it right, to know exactly where you're going, to have this path. Um, And I just loved how, you know, Tao really came in and kind of (laughs) knocked all that out of the space. Um, And just like, wait a minute, what? Like, this is not in the plan, you know? And so I think we're all just dealing with that. So hopefully that's a point um, that a lot of people can relate to. Are you, so now that you have a published book, and I see that it's also an audio. I have a question about that too. But do you feel pressure now? Like you are an you are an author. You are a published author. There how is. That, how does that feel? <laughs> you know, like there is that pressure. Um, you know, I think anybody with any art, right? Like I tell my husband all the time, like, oh my God, I know what this feels like now, you know? Cause he's like, he's constantly putting his art out to the world. You know what I mean? For them to either like love it or hate it. Like, and that is just such a vulnerable. Yeah, don't read the reviews. Those aren't for you. People write well, reviews for readers. I don't write that for like, you. Good reads is like roadkill. You're like, don't I want to look reads. at it, but I shouldn't. That's you know? the um, and so, no, you're absolutely right. Like it, reviews are absolutely for the readers. Because we write reviews, but we write reviews for readers. Our reviews aren't for authors. If like an author wanted our opinion, like a beta reader situation, that would be private. And we would go through and we would send them a private email that they asked for, that they requested from us. We would never send it unsolicited. If they requested it, then we would do that. Otherwise, we write our reviews so readers who know and like what we know and like can say like, oh, well, Bridget always likes this type of book. I like that type of book too. I trust so don't go. This is my opinion. Is, is my I, advice. Do not do no, it's it ever. The expert don't advice. Go. Like everyone tells you that. You know, like just don't do it. Yeah. It's like you know, it's the, huh. the roadkill that you should not look at. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think if anything, is, is that vulnerability, like putting yourself mm-hmm. kind of like on the block. Um, and then also, I think there's a certain pressure too when like when you are with a major publisher, and you know, sometimes people are kind of dissecting that, like well, why did this get, you know, that Mm -hmm. deal? And, you know, I have a better book, right? Like, so there's all that pressure. Um, Even just the fact that I run a writing community with phenomenal writers, I'm even scared about them reading the book. I'm like, oh my God, we're in writing group together and their stuff is so much better than mine, you know? It's like that kind of fear um, and just wanting to knock it out of the park. Um, But, you know, that's a constant talking to yourself about like, you know, you gave your best effort. And I think it was Jill Scott who pretty much said that like, once you release your art out into the world, it's no longer yours. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you have to do a bit of separation of it and just say like, that's it. That's the offering. It's no longer mine. I can't like kind of control it as long as it's just you and your editor and that's one thing um and then you get those arcs and that baby gets out into the world it's no longer yours so i just try to really you're already like on to writing the next thing like that's the thing you did before and now you know the new that opens up space for you to think about instead of like staying in that oh i want to stay with this book mindset it's like that book has flown the coop and now i'm on to the next thing Mm -hmm. actually i'm so mad at you for saying that I'm so mad at you <laughs> because you, because you write. I mean, you write <laughs> technically, <laughs> but yes. you said it so casual. That shit is hard. Oh, <laughs> that is like, 
you ever like sit to release something like publish like a video like a music video on, on like youtube or something you before you hit that schedule button you just be sitting in front of the the computer for like hours just like it's like hit the button and run away you know what i mean like yeah. hit the button and run away from it like that's that's just what you have to I'm do like that's I agree. I tell her that all the time. I'm like, Shani, you're gonna release it. You may as well just release it and then go do yeah. it. You're already doing like ten other things. Like, yeah, I, yeah. it took my, it took a friend of mine saying to me one day because I was editing a music video for like three years. Like, no, I was like, you gotta stop, right? <laughs> and, but like, there, there, um, there is a, a filmmaker in LA. Um, I know him as Bim or Bim because my aunt says it in Spanish, Bim. <laughs> Um, but he, uh, he, I, I was showing him my video one day and he was just like, you know, like when you're going to release it, this is, this is really good. When are you going to release it? Right. And I was like, oh, it's not done editing yet. He was like, girl, release it and make something better. The next thing, just make it better. Like, and so mm-hmm. that's, I have to say that to myself every time when I go to release something, I go, I'll just release it. I'll make something better. I'll make something better. Mm-hmm. Well, especially as a debut author, right. It's tough. Cause you don't have a canon yet. You know what I mean? So it's like you you have to remind yourself of like what was every other author's first book like sometimes you yeah, don't mm-hmm. even like stumble on an author until like book three you know what I mean so mm-hmm. my husband always reminds me of that he's like you're going to write more things yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and for sure. you're going to be learning you know along yeah. the way so I try to remind yeah. myself it's like don't compare yourself to Jasmine Gilroy she's written 25 books and yeah. like yeah the last 15 were smashes but like like you said like yeah. the first couple like most people probably don't even get to that part of her catalog. So also for sure. my, my cousins, when I moved to LA, they were already had a band like going and stuff like that. And they were just hitting, like starting to be successful. And so I went to ask her for advice. I was like, what, you know, like, what do I do? She's like, look, you, if you just keep chugging away, at like what you do. She's like, at year four, you're going to be successful. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, year four, you'll be successful. She's like, I don't care what you do. At year four, you're going to be successful. And when I say like two, almost to the day, right? Year four, like I had a, I I still do have a YouTube channel for children. Um, And, but almost to the day it took off, like, you know, and people kept saying like, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. I was like, bitch, I ain't lucky. Since was four years. I've been working on it <laughs> for four years. I have worked at this. You know, like I've been doing all types of writing for all my life but yes. in the public space 10 years of yeah. just blogging mm-hmm. newsletters yeah. freelancing a lot of writing you know what i mean yeah there had to be a lot of moments of you just staring at a blank fucking page <laughs> going what just the like, fuck what? am i gonna put on this page? what am i gonna write today <laughs> <laughs> you know those all those all those little moments you know i i man I always try not to forget those little moments that get you to a place because every time I go to a panel, I have a hard time going to listen to advice on a panel because generally I, people skip the middle, right? They're like, I was a struggling actor in LA. And then one day I got my big break and now I'm doing great. And they're not like, no, I was crying in a bathroom for four hours after, <laughs> like after the, the person who looked exactly like me got the role for the role I've been, you know, like, like that kind of stuff is the stuff, you know, like, or like 
my friend, I remember she, I needed something. She's like, stock them on LinkedIn, stock them, find out where they go, do this. I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that as an option. And she got her dream job by stocking people on LinkedIn, you know? And that's the stuff like, I feel like people don't tell you like when they're talking about their story. So I like hearing your story. I also like that we're here at the beginning of your story. So that now we get to like follow the journey, you know? And like, but also hear about like what it took for you to get here. And like, we're so happy you're here. Thank you. The 10 year overnight success. That is is what it always is. I mean, like we've just bear witness to it in music, you know, all of a sudden the one song pops and you're like, yeah, but they, you know, it's like we knew Lizzo for 10 years prior to getting her moment in the spotlight. I have a Lizzo story. Okay. I don't think I've ever said publicly. Right. So before Lizzo like popped overnight, um, so we used to create at the YouTube space, which is like a huge, like it's now closed for creators, but at the time creators could go there to film and do that. And they'd have events and they had a music night and Lizzo was the music for the night. And it's the first time I ever saw her. She had not blown up yet. Um, and I was standing, you know, just vibing and shit. And, uh, like a guy I know from the space came up to me and he was like, such a shame she'll never make it. Such a shame she'll never make it. I looked at him and I was like, what are you like, what are you talking about? And uh, he was like, he's like, like, you know, she's got a lot of energy. You know, she's got spirit, but she's not going to go anywhere, you know? And then he made an, an, a comment about, you know, what he made a comment about. And I said, bruh, I don't think you know how hungry people are for her. Like, I don't, I don't think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Respectfully, sir. I don't think you know what you mean. (laughs) And I ran into him recently, like maybe a few months back at an event. And I was like, do you remember? (laughs) He was like, I sure do. And I was wrong. And I was like, yes, you were. Yeah, having that moment, it's like, listen, it, it takes a long time. And it's all about that perseverance at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. Definitely about that. Well, this has been a delight. You're so fun to talk to. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us for the hour. Oh, thank um, you. For any last me. things that you you wish people would ask you about your book or about writing the world? Hmm, let's see. I don't know. I you know, I guess I just I don't know. I just hope people love these characters as much as I do. I just think about all the like iconic like uh characters, like fictional um couples that I love. Like I'm a Melanie and Derwin stan from like the game and uh Issa and Lawrence. I was rooting for Lawrence no matter what they went through. <laughs> um, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I know yeah. I saw that he's gonna be in the new Top Gun and I was thrilled because I love his <laughs> character. He's such a good actor. Also, yes. he's so cute. I was like, oh, can you, he's, gonna be in a, he's gonna be in an airplane flying. <laughs> can you can you like please just visualize and man, manifest the like your books being just turned into like you know shows? Yeah, no, I mean, listen, <laughs> that is really the hope. I know a couple of people have said like, oh, I could easily see this somewhere. Um, so that is absolutely the hope, just because I love TV and film and like novels, you know, like those things are like really big loves for me. So I would love to see that kind of integration (laughs) happen for this book and hopefully for subsequent books after. But yeah, that's, I just hope that people get the heart of the book. Um, It's just been funny seeing uh, certain things and, and just 
hearing some of the response so far. Um, so I hope that they feel like real people because I that's that's what I love about fictional characters is being able to like talk about them like they're real, like just you know, just like Lawrence and Issa. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, yeah. they're actually not together. Oh my god, I saw the thumbnail. Speaking of Issa on your podcast, where it was a thumbnail, like she got to interview Issa. I was so jo- like just filled with like the wrathful envy dragon was like, ah, and then I was like, oh, they're talking about her. And then I was like, oh, but I want her to, I want that for her. I lived in Inglewood and I was like, she walks. I know she goes for walks in Inglewood. Cause she said that I said, where's she walking? I walk my kids miles a day, but what, what part of town is she? I love that. I love that show. If I had a, um, a, like a nickel for every time somebody like they would hear my music and they go, you need to talk to Issa Rae about this so that she can put it on the show. And I go, like, where's she? Where's she at? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. things like that to me sometimes. Yeah. And I think, to, I think of the disconnect. Honey, you like, know, I was walking with those kids. I was looking for her. I know she walks <laughs> every day. I was out there every day. I was out there walking around. Yeah. And, and I, I know, would, I would, and I I know there's like one degree of separation, but I'm always like, I don't have her number, you guys. Like, it's yeah. Not- yeah, like there's, yeah, I, I can't just call her up. Yeah. <laughs> you never, never gave me the digits when I didn't meet her. And of course it won't be <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I did go to her coffee shop and I saw her across the room. <laughs> she has a coffee shop in LA and I went. But can you imagine me just being like, hey, Issa, got your number offline. Thought this would be a great yeah. idea to call me. <laughs> I thought you you needed my music in your Smash HBO show. <laughs> Bruh, <it's a> restraining <laughs> order. <laughs> but also you should definitely, she has an office. You can send it to her office. Okay, well, Ashley, until next time, we always have a little sign off. Dear listeners, this has been a blast. May your books be your lover. And your hand, your best friend. Bye for now, kids. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.